Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Here's my fun fact about Nick B. Uh-oh. Nick B told me that <laughs> pants is underwear in Britain. It is, really? yeah. Really? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I think underwear is like, this is going to sound Pantaloons? racy, but knickers? Knickers? knickers. Nick, will no, you add me why they call? <gasps> Nick? It oh. all points to Nick B. Oh my B. goodness. If underwear is called pants, what do you call pants? Trousers? Trousers, yeah. Trousers, mate. That's where the term trouser snake comes from. I'll teach you. This episode also brought to you by Ryan. Ryan. Ryan makes a bunch of dick jokes all the time, and I have to listen to them and pretend to laugh (laughs) or roll my eyes, and they just never You don't have to laugh, Jen. That's the patriarchy making I know, Ryan. (laughs) Ryan probably has the fake laugh at all the patriarchy Uh, jokes. Like, any (laughs) time. That was a reverse Ryan shout. That's amazing. Yeah, anytime the word hard or hole or cave comes up, Ryan makes a dick joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thinks it's real funny every time. Well, Ryan, we appreciate your service. Mm. Ryan, lock it up, man. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Spider Tom. Spider Tom. Spider Tom. Okay, so Spider Tom <laughs> requested the Australian funnel web spider, and they look terrible. But I've realized that I can look these up on my laptop instead of my phone, so I don't have to hold them. She's genuinely they're looking away from it, though. She's at like, me. yeah, she's oh looking God, at the corner so of the screen. Oh, they look like ticks. I love that they did spider facts to make me freaked out and Jen gets well, freaked out. Well, it's because she has to look them up. You, you used to get to sit on the couch like a goddamn king. Patriarch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a patriarchy joke that's actually funny. And true. <laughs> so anyways, these spiders are the worst. Can a funnel spider kill you? These are questions I want you Anything to answer immediately. can kill you if they try hard enough. Well, also, where are they? All funnel web spiders should be treated as potentially life-threatening. Really? Even though only approximately 10 to 15% of vites are venomous. So it's vites. like vites. vites are venomous. She became German very suddenly. <laughs> but they all should be considered potentially toxic just like a dating partner only 10 percent will kill you but all should be looked at as potentially toxic yes. yep okay so it's a member of a group of spiders known as australian funnel web spiders so they're only in australia yeah okay most live in the ground but a few species on the eastern coast of australia live in wet forest trees Ooh. and apparently they dig burrows and tom's nephew keeps trying to stick his fingers into these burrows what never do that so hey tom's nephew like, this is a public service announcement yeah because it's like a hole and you want to stick your finger in it yeah. Mikey? that's normally something different from my game. Gross. Yeah. Hey, don't stick any part of your body into this thing because a spider will crawl on it and 10% might kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can stick 10% of your finger in it. Just the tip. And it'll be safe. No. (laughs) Make a tip tape. This episode also brought to you by Rebecca. So today we did A Quiet Place. Right. Okay. And the main, one of the main characters is pregnant. Oh God, I know where this is going. Uh oh. Oh God. I apologize in advance. Oh God. To everyone. (laughs) I looked up Pregnant women pick up lines. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, as right? you do. Hey, Rebecca. Hey. Is the baby kicking because your body is? <laughs> That's actually sort of nice. And if you want to look kicking on your way to the emergency room to deliver your baby, mm, make sure yeah. you visit Straight On Tell Disney on Etsy and get yourself some pregnancy Disney ears. The roundness of the ears will direct attention away from the roundness of your exactly. belly. Exactly. Although you are beautiful. You, you are, are beautiful. And now it's time for another episode of The, the Patreonicals. Create me some theme music. We do need some theme music for the Patreonicals, guys. So uh, email us at Patreonicals. Uh, no. It's time to rock. <laughs> uh, I'm coming in with stories. Come on now. Santa my clock. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> so guys, come up with some patriotical theme music and reach out to us on Horror Virgin at yeah. info at horrorvirgin.com or just on socials and uh, SoundCloud link it and we'll use Wherever it. sound exists, we'll find it. <laughs> oh. Mikey, hit us with a story. Uh-oh. As you know, last week, Isaac the Cannibal kidnapped Matthew and Derek got impaled by the Mary Poppins umbrella. Yeah. That's right. It was left for, he died. Can I hit skip recap like on Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> so this week, uh, Eddie wanders up to Derek's body and takes the umbrella out like sword in uh-huh. the stone style. And then he uses the umbrella to bring Derek back to life. I'm sorry. So Matthew can bring people back to life with the Mary Poppins umbrella. That's and good. we're only finding out about it now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wait. The umbrella has the power to kill and bring back from the dead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, the umbrella also amplifies Eddie's Aquaman talk to animals powers. Oh, Dr. Yeah? Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> so he sends out an alert and it, it gets back to him. Some birds come back and say, right. I know where Isaac has tied up Matthew. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> like that. And so him and Derek, who's a little confused, but like, he's like, I'm going to save him too because that guy... You know, killed, killed me. me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And now I've got umbrella strength. Well, Derek so I'm unstoppable. Okay, okay. So they go to this little clearing. There's a tree in the middle, just so you can visualize it. Right. Okay. I love this. Uh, Matthew's tied to it. Ooh. Matthew's tied to it. Yeah, like his bait. No, Isaac's about to eat him. Or oh, that's right. Because Isaac was taken. Yeah, Isaac's gotcha. monologuing yeah. about why he doesn't want him alive anymore because his family died in some other nefarious. Like I think it was an iPhone related explosion. It was an iPhone yes, related yeah, explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isaac charges at Eddie and knocks him down because he's got the umbrella. He knows the umbrella is bad. So he's beating up Eddie and then Derek comes to like jump on him and Isaac bites his arm and bites three fingers off. What? Yeah, from he, oh. his arm? Uh, and so then Derek screams so loud yeah, when he was dying, yeah. or when he when he got bit. Yeah, yeah, so high pitched and so loud, it scares Isaac off. I see what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. Eddie wakes up, hands Matthew back his umbrella. Uh, the rhinoceros comes, picks picks them all up to go to go. That's where it to went. leave, and then uh, Isaac escaped. Wait, really? Yeah. So Isaac got away. Yeah, but so did everybody else. Right. Well, actually, Derek got an infection. From oh. The After months long battle in the <laughs> hospital in the ICU. <laughs> IV antibiotics. They put him on palliative care. <laughs> Derek, Derek passed away. Yeah, Aspire Health put him on Aww. palliative care. And then Derek passed away. Aww. Surrounded sorry, by Derek. friends and family. Honestly, that's the best way he's died so far. Make sure you check back next week to find out what happens on that episode Jeez. of The Patrioticals. This episode also finally brought to you by Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. So Chris wants to remind everyone that they are loved and they are not alone. And you know what? I was having a hard time and I posted something on Twitter and Chris checked in and he said, hey, hope you're doing okay. That's super sweet. It was really nice. Yeah. Chris is a good guy. And we love all of you guys. Yes, we do. It's been interesting with the Facebooker that people have reached out when they've been feeling really low and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's great. And watching the community like really support people. It's It's really really sweet. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, join. And it's an awesome community. It It is. is. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks, Chris. We love you. Thank you very much, Chris. Will you follow me to the waterfall? Um, I don't know. Because I just that met sound, you. <laughs> that sound will match the sound of the theme music. Oh, you need I'm a louder theme music? Yeah. And then the theme music is safe. Yeah. Okay. Oh. 
No, the twist is like, it's a fantasy peninsula. <laughs> That's what I call my dick. That's the porn version of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, welcome to the Horror Virgin, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, and you guys make me watch yes, them. Yes, we do. And this week, you guys made me watch a very scary movie called A Quiet Place. Yeah, we did, and yeah. it was very scary. So have you guys seen this movie before? I've seen this movie a bunch. I've seen it like three or four times. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Jen? I have only been able to watch it twice. I watched it in the theaters and cried like 90% of the way through it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and then, so this was the second time I watched it, because okay. I kind of avoided it. Clearly, yeah. it was my first time. Well, what did you guys think about it when you very first saw it? Took my mom on a date to see it. The fact that you call it a date is very concerning, but we're going to put a pin in that and come back to it later. (laughs) (laughs) It was really scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was really scary for me this morning, and we watched it during the day, and there are no lights in the room, but it's still bright, you know? That movie and Paranormal Activity were probably the scariest movies I've seen in theater. shit, yeah. Mm -hmm. But Jen, how did you feel about it when you first saw it? Well, the first time I saw it, it emotionally destroyed me, um, because... (laughs) (laughs) You say that so casually, it's so funny. Oh, man, like, I'm not kidding, and you can... My friend Kara went with me, and I started crying about 10 minutes in and did not stop um and it because i have a son who is the eight who was the age of the kid in the movie and you know it just there were a lot of parent themes in it that really connected with me when i watched it yeah but this time when i watched it like now that i knew what was going to happen and i wasn't so like worried about all the kids the whole time i saw a lot more of the themes of the movie so i think i actually enjoyed it a lot more this time do you mean like how she like gaslights him into killing himself at the uh, end no the opposite oh my bad <laughs> I really like this movie. I think it's well made. I hated this movie, but I'll say it's a great, great film. I only say I hated it because it was hard to watch. It's so scary. And it's just full of tension the entire time. It's not fun to watch. Well, I enjoyed watching it because I like to get scared. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's a lot of like, themes and commentaries in this movie that you can see and read into which is partly why I like it so much but I think you can also just enjoy it as a fun movie to watch too if you're you into know? that sort of thing yeah. <laughs> is that your jam? right so let's get into this fucking movie then alright so it's day 89 yes almost <laughs> three months almost three months that's right that didn't break up. Oh, oh, God. I mean, I bet they want to break up with this situation for sure. They probably do. And the, wor- <laughs> the world's gone silent, just like me. Oh, okay, so The we- world is ghosting the main characters. Mm. <laughs> I have a question. Were there any credits to this movie? There's a title card. That's There's a it, title right? card, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Best credits. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and we see a ruined city, and we're in like a, a grocery store or like a right. general store. We're seeing missing posters on the wall, and then we see a little kid's feet running through the store. And we're slowly kind of seeing these characters be introduced as they're going about whatever they're doing. Um, so we see a little kid running, and then we see a sister, and her name is Reagan. And we notice that she's got a cochlear implant in yes. her ear. And then we see there's another kid behind a pharmacy, and he's sitting well, on the yeah, floor. He's, like and he's laying sick. on the ground like he's. Yeah. I actually wondered if he had some sort of chronic illness that they had to go to the pharmacist to steal medicine for, or really take. You're not stealing at this point. Yeah, I think but it's just I, antibiotics. Yes. And then we see Emily Blunt, who's the mother, and she's very quietly looking through pill bottles and yes. like trying not to knock them over. Yeah. And we thought one of them might have been labeled Dave Buster. It's the one that she picks up. I was like, does that say mm. Dave Buster on yeah. it? Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong, but I know, right? Yeah. And so she gives him some medicine. And if you'll notice, she gives him the pills first oh and he oh, takes and them. The water. And then, yes, that's right, Mikey. She gives him the water. That's because it's that's how you survive. hell space. <laughs> and that's what they're forced to do. But Guys. he survived, right? He did survive. 
Uh, I Hashtag mean, pills first. Oh, pills God. Waters first. first all day. Mm. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about how you take pills. Yeah. If you take them pills first, you're a sociopath. What was that Water episode? first. It was uh, misery. Misery, yeah. And so now we're seeing the kid playing in the aisles, and he's, si- he's using sign language. Yeah, and- because Reagan's deaf, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or she has the implant, but she was deaf at some point. When it cuts to her, you can't hear anything. The sound design yeah. in this movie is very, very it's cool. so it good. Is, yeah, because yeah. every time it's from her point of view, or we're with, we're supposed to be with her. It's silent. And then imagine the whole family knowing sign language is a huge advantage in this type of environment. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. how they were able to survive. Um, survive. Yeah, yeah. All right. So she, he's signing about a rocket, and we noticed that he's drawn a rocket on the floor. And this is around the time I think I started crying this time. Um, and he's saying because <laughs> you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that is rocket shadowing on the floor. It Although is rocket I did shadowing. not notice that. Mm. He's saying this is how we'll get away. Then we see him climbing up onto a ladder trying to get a toy rocket on it's the It's actually top. more precarious than a ladder. Yeah, it's like a step stool. Yeah, and it, he it's can like barely a crate it. or something. And it, it starts to move as he's reaching. Like, I was like, no, don't do that, you stupid kid. It breaks my heart. Oh, and yeah. so he's about, he's trying to grab this thing and it falls off and she just barely saves it. But so then we see the dad, who is John Krasinski, Jim from The Office, and Beardy he McBeard sees face. them. Beard in a sweater. Yeah. He's more maybe. Jack Ryan than Jim in this one. He's more jacked Ryan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. He is. That sweater can't hide those muscles. Jen's a real sweater queen. Yeah. Um, they're warm, Todd. I have a pullover on. <laughs> so the dad sees. And so now we notice that the dad, I'm probably going to call him Jim. Yeah, probably will. Yeah, is grabbing, is putting stuff in a bag for a radio. And then the mom comes back and says it's time to go. And we see the little kid. His name is Bo, and he's like four years old. I'm amazed you got people's names just because I don't know any of their names at this point. I know mom, daughter, son, yeah. dead son, dad. Well, like, I got them from end credits and IMDb. Oh, okay. uh-huh. I don't think they yeah. say it I don't in the think movie. they do either. Yeah, they never say Bo. Yeah. Right. But so he's walking up and we can only see him from behind, but they're all staring at him in terror. And the dad walks up really slowly and takes a, that rocket ship toy out of his hands. And it, it's so sad. And he, he takes, takes the batteries takes out. Takes the batteries yeah. out. Yeah. And he says it's too loud. And just the look on this little boy's face, it's so sad. Why don't you just give him back the rocket without the batteries? That's what he should and have that's done. That's what he should have done. Or <sighs> put the batteries in his pocket. Or, like, taking the batteries out of reach because he's saying it's too loud and the son is upset and then they leave. But as they're leaving, the sister gives it back to him. And then she leaves and then we see him take the batteries. Yeah. That's a little battery shadowing. Because what you expect to happen happens. Yeah. So as they're walking back and and we notice they're all barefoot and they're walking on a trail of sand also. And then they're walking on railroad tracks. Yeah. Was it sand? I I couldn't tell if it was like sand sand or or cornmeal. It's probably most likely. Cornmeal because they have you a asked, shitload of corn. Exactly, yeah. and you asked at one point, like, where did they get all the sand? Yeah, it doesn't look like they're close to a beach. That's right. like my only thing. But it could very well be cornmeal. That explains it for me. But right. It didn't bother me once you were right, like, it's right, probably right. cornmeal. I was like, okay, cool. I'm on board. That's fine. Right. Yeah. And it just kind of shows that they have really thought through all. They're of very this. resourceful. Yes. Yeah. Very well prepared for this. I would add pillow shoes. Pillow shoes. <laughs> that way you don't have to pour the sand. That's how you think ahead, Mikey. What if your pillow <laughs> shoes get caught on a nail or something? Actually, the pillow shoes would have prevented the scariest part of this. <laughs> because she would have stepped on the nail and the pillow would have taken all of that nail. Now they get to the bridge. Yes. And they're in a line and the dad, um, Jim, is carrying the son who is sick. And then Emily Blunt is behind them. And then the sister 
is behind her and then the little boy is last in line and as they get to the bridge he gets the rocket out and they hear the sound but the sister who's closest to him can't hear it and they just see everyone she just sees everyone turn around and look at her and like look in horror and then John Krasinski puts the other son down and just starts running to the little boy and he's just playing with this rocket like a four-year-old would do and we see a creature coming off to the side and just before John Krasinski gets there it grabs the kid I mean it does like grab the kid it swipes at the kid and like it's brutal man it's so it rough is. and they show it which was awful and no, I, they don't sh- they show the swipe but they don't show the kid getting hurt that's it just fair cuts the black. yeah but i i honestly thought that jim was gonna get there he was gonna throw the rocket ship and that it was gonna divert mm-hmm. because that's a way to set up how aggressively like insane these monsters are without killing a kid in the yeah. first five minutes of your damn movie well, i i, I <sighs> I mean, it's terrible, but I mean, I it like this because it's like these oh, stakes man. are high. It well, does. and he gave right. an interview saying yeah. that because so many times you watch movies and you're like, oh, there's no way they're going to kill those kids. And so now when you are willing to kill a child in the first 10 minutes, like before the title card, that tells you anybody in the movie's fair game. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And uh. from that point on, you're on the edge of your seat. Oh, you're man. like at a monster truck rally. You pay for the whole seat, but you only use the edge. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know those commercials I'm talking about? Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> exactly. Sunday. I hate those commercials. Sorry, it's but big yeah. blue truck versus red truck. <laughs> Bigfoot. You may not take down the whole time. I mean, if you guys like monster truck rallies, that's fine. I'm just making fun of the commercials, not you. Okay? Right, one time I, I had to DD my group of friends to a monster truck rally. Oh, my God. It was the worst. We had uh, to move seats. Well, because you can only use the edge. I once saw Evil Knievel's son jump a bunch of school buses. Was that at cool? At the Tennessee State Fair. That sounds awesome. It was that same crowd, but drunk at noon. <laughs> it was interesting. His name is Captain Robbie Knievel. He got up and he was like obviously drunk when he was talking because he was like slurring his words and being very repetitive mm-hmm. and stuff. And he started to pray before the jump and he prayed for, I'm going to say conservatively, four and a half minutes. And right towards the end of his prayer, you hear from the back someone go, Go ahead and jump! Woo! And then no one in the entire audience cheered along with her. So she just like slowly like sat down in her chair. And, and then it went was, straight to hell. It was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And then honestly, he jumped the 18 school buses or whatever. It was impressive. And he just nailed it and then we went home. He was drunk too? He was definitely drunk. Huh. I yeah. mean, I guess you'd have to be. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anyway, let's move on. Anyway. And that's all very much like a quiet uh. place. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so now we have established the stakes and it would, our hearts have broken open. I think the intentional metaphor in this movie was parenthood. You know, and how scary it can be to raise children. Because, I get that. Yeah, because, I mean, we're so frustrated at this kid because he should have known better. He shouldn't have done this. But, like, he's four, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, you can tell him that. But if he think also, if he's seen his sister give it back to him. I don't know. I don't think it's ever their fault. It's not the girl's fault. It's not Jim's fault. It's not that four-year-old's fault. Right. It's the monster's fault or whatever we're going right. to call it, the alien mm-hmm. or whatever. So, like, I understand why she feels like she's to blame. I understand why the right. dad feels very guilty about it. But it's not their fault. No, it's not. It's not. And kind of the metaphor that I saw a lot more clearly this time I watched it was like when you're grieving a loss like that, how hard it is when you can't talk about it. Uh, there's that. Then every member of a family blames themselves for a loss. Exactly. Yeah, even the mom. She, yeah. The mom oh, we yeah. find out later and we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to it. But she was like, why wasn't I just carrying him? So, yeah, right. she she blames herself, too. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the element, the thing that is hard for them, it makes it hard for them to come together as a family is that they can't talk about it. And I think 
think that's what the silence is kind of showing. Because mm-hmm. if they could connect more and try to work through their feelings more, I think they would be more on the same page in later parts of the movie. Like, I don't think the daughter would have been as rebellious, and I don't think she would have been in different places. She wouldn't have been acting out as much. Exactly. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, she was going, like, puberty. I mean, Well, and that's another thing. So <laughs> we were saying it's scary because your four-year-old, you can't impress upon them the stakes, but that's the same thing with teenagers. Like, there's a fear of your teenagers going out into the world and not fully understanding the consequences of what they're doing and making these decisions like giving him back this toy that are going to have these horrible ramifications, but you just can't impress upon them the importance of these decisions when they're so young. A lot of people don't talk about the things actually going on in their family and it just slowly... Mm-hmm. And it just eats away. Down. And yeah. that's what I think... I think there's a lot of kind of regressive um, gender roles in this movie and just elements of not being able to talk about things that... But imagine negative. being that girl. She's already deaf, so she can't communicate verbally. But everyone knows sign language. I don't think that's a super big barrier, but you already also think that your family blames you for your youngest exactly. brother dying. Because of something you can't control. Right. Well, she wants it to make sense, but even if she could hear, that trauma probably still would have happened. Well, Definitely she would've. may have heard the thing and been able to grab it and throw it faster. That's fair, but that's still and not it, her fault. Exactly. Yeah. Not her fault. It's just a terrible thing that happened. Now, I yeah. do want to say that I think her and the brother do talk about stuff. I think they do, too. Because mm-hmm. the brother was like, look, she blames herself for the dad. Like, when yeah, the brother absolutely. finally tells the dad. Yeah, we mm-hmm. never see that, but right. I think they do. Yeah. And we're going to say talk a lot in this movie, but just know most of the time we mean sign. Or also. communicate. Or Yeah, or yeah. communicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I think that it's just like in the Hush episode, I think that speaks to the strength of the acting that we're kind of hearing this in our and language. The acting is so good yeah. in this movie. Oh, it's really good. And here's the title card of the movie. So now the yes. movie is starting and I'm already sobbing. Jim directed this and he, he knows how to do credits. He has one. <laughs> here's the name of my movie. Nothing else matters. We'll show you all that, that at the end. You're <laughs> Let's do against it. credits. Would you agree with me that it pulls you in so much better yes. because there's not, here's the person who wrote the movie. Right. Here's the person who sound mixed the movie. Here's the name of one of the actors. Like, I get why that's important, and they their work should not be discounted at all, but it pulls you out of the movie, and a movie, especially like this, that mm-hmm. sucks you in so quickly, that oh, would be distracting. Yeah, it's almost like having 10 minutes to add at the beginning of a movie or a piece of entertainment is distracting from the actual <laughs> piece of entertainment. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> so what you do in that situation is hit the skip 30 until you hear music, and then you're good to yeah. roll. <laughs> you can go back for our little theme music joke. I'm you leaving know? that in. <laughs> <laughs> was that a hot pod tip there? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ooh, all right, so now it's day 472. Anybody got any fast math for that? That's one year, 172 days. days. Oh, shit, is that right? <laughs> so there's not 300 days in a year. One year, 120 days. Boom. Boom. Okay. Got I it. am doing a CPA. Is that how you learn stuff from people? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I absorb their knowledge. <laughs> I will say this. Ever since I've been dating a personal trainer, I have gotten a lot more fit. So uh, there's that. What if there's a movie where that's like someone's superpower? Okay, I'm a secret agent, and I have the power to absorb skills, but I have to sleep with people to do it. I think it's the porn version of The Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) I've got your first 30 pages right here, except a lot of them are stuck together. Hank, I need a condom. (laughs) But they're thrilling. I need a condom. Uh, We've got to move on. All right. 
Um, so now we see the daughter whose name is Reagan and she's laying outside looking at the sky and we're kind of starting to see around their home um, because they're on a farm. It's like a homestead. It is kind yeah. of like a homestead. Yeah, there's lots of corn and there's lights hung up and there's like a um, laundry lines and stuff. And so we see the mom outside and we see Jim downstairs in his like radio room and he's got all these electronics and these camera monitors so they can see around the house. Yeah. He's studying everything. Yeah, he's sending Morse code SOS messages, and he's studying, like, aural things, and we're going to find out a little bit more why, but he's got a sure microphone also. Yes. Sure, Jim. As do we. Yeah. Hey, thanks, listeners, because that's how we got it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. But they live kind of in a basement, and we're also seeing them prepare a nursery because we see that she is pregnant. When I first watched this movie, I didn't know if they actually lived here before the calamity I or they adopted this property. Yeah. No, they did because you see them upstairs. Those are their old rooms. Oh, I thought they just moved into a house, and those were photos of the old family because we never see a close-up of the photos, so I couldn't really tell if it was like Emily Blunt and Jim or whatever. They are. Fun fact, they're photos of them and their kids. They're that's like awesome. Real kids. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, because they had had two kids at this point. Oh, awesome. So at this point, you mentioned that we noticed she's pregnant. She is pregnant. So we have introduced a pregnant clock. Yeah, a now. pregnant ticking clock. Into the movie. And I was really <laughs> bothered by this that she was pregnant. Because I feel like it's very irresponsible to put your wife in that much mm. risk. Yeah, I think. For many reasons, the baby's going to cry. Yeah. What if there's a complication with the pregnancy? Mm-hmm. You can't take her to a hospital. Right. She's going to make sound she, when she yes, delivers. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think that they are making preparations. They are. Yeah, they've thought through a lot of they this have, stuff. But they never talk about if this is a planned pregnancy or not. In doing some research, I found an article about this, and I'll link it. But talking about how lots of times when you lose a child... This is one of the ways that people try to kind of recover from that is by having another baby or like trying to like be excited about something. So I don't know if that plays into it. I thought Jim just needed to learn how to do the laundry. So he had to have sex with her to learn the skill. I mean, <laughs> but he doesn't ever learn it because he never does. He the never laundry. does the laundry. No, because no. he's the man and he shouldn't have to. I, I don't know. I mean, I think birth control is pretty hard at the end of the world. I don't know. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I, I imagine like you just never have sex again or which I mean, honestly, that's maybe hard. that's what you do. That's no, really hard. That's not what you do, Jen. You're insane. <laughs> no. no. What, you're, you're ridiculous. Why live it all? <laughs> yeah, what is happening? Oh, my God. Says the men who would not get pregnant. I would 100% <laughs> walk into the cornfield and start yelling if I never got to have sex again. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I do think that there are ways you can avoid getting your wife pregnant, and that is putting her and, honestly, everyone in your family at extreme risk. Right. If I could so, get pregnant, I would. If that's how it worked. I mean, oh, yeah. If you could get pregnant? Yeah, I'd have kids. Mikey would absolutely. Absolutely, seahorse dad. Yeah, like a hundred percent. Yeah. I also don't know if you would have lasted more than like five days in this hellscape. Oh no, I'm too clumsy. I'd right. be dead. You would have knocked over like twenty. I'm barely chips. alive now. That's true. Fair. <laughs> I, I would go out with you, man. We'd go out hugging like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> together. I'm like Todd. Oh. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I just think that he's putting his family at extreme risk. We don't ever see a conversation about it or about them choosing to continue the pregnancy or anything like that. So I yeah. am choosing to believe that she. Is giving birth to Anakin Skywalker because the force is what made her pregnant, not Jim. Oh. Probably the force of Jim's dick. I mean, he, <laughs> look, he was getting ready for Jack Ryan. But so what they're, we're seeing them prepare is they're like paper macheing the walls to kind of soundproof it. And they're making this box that looks like a little baby coffin. And it's got like this tiny little um, 
baby oxygen mask and an oxygen tank, and it just, it's sweet, but it's so disturbing. And it, it is just very kind of sad to let, see. It is, yeah. yeah, and it just lets you know what the stakes of this are going to yeah. be, you know. But also that they're preparing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So now Emily Blunt is cooking dinner, and Jim is washing his face, and we kind of see the daughter watching, and we're led to believe they don't have the best relationship right now. And they're having a really quiet dinner, and it's kind of They're sweet. sort of going through a lot. Like, are, I mean, yeah. it has been a long time since the son died, but that shit takes forever uh, to get over. You never get year, over it, basically. Yeah. I mean, and I had a brother that died when I was a kid. It's something you never get over. You just learn to live with. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's believable to me that they would still be morose maybe isn't the right word, but just super down and sad. Yeah. All right. So now after dinner, they're playing Monopoly and it's real cute. They're using like little like soft things. So like that cloth they- balls. Mm-hmm. Cut out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's um, great. Yeah, and Family so time. because they're kids, they accidentally knock over a lantern and it catches <laughs> on fire. That's a huge mistake, though. I mean, I get yeah, what you're yeah. saying. It was 100% an accident. There's mm. nothing. <laughs> but like, it happens, okay? That's right. an immediate danger. Like, <laughs> right. not only the sound and the universe that we're in right now, but also the fire. But yeah. Jim is all over it. He just he runs is. over there and puts it out with his beard, and then it's like, <laughs> fine. It's <laughs> a spare sweater. <laughs> here's, my, here's where I, I've kind of torn apart this movie, is that, like, if you can create bigger sounds to distract from smaller sounds, why aren't there, like, noisemakers? Exactly. Like, wind chimes in the exactly. trees and stuff like that. Maybe not even wind chimes in the trees, but something that makes a consistent, like, duck call sound or right. something like that. Well, but it would still draw the attention of the thing. But if it's more wind going through bamboo or something like that, like, 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 you can put a bunch of stuff around your property that could make a bunch of noise with wind. Oh, I was thinking about something that was just really loud. I mean, even really loud noises, yeah, it would attract it. But if it's up high enough and they can't get to it, yeah. or well, I guess they can climb. Yeah. So that maybe sort of answers that. And that might be something that, like, two years down the road, mm-hmm. they start to do. Yeah. I'm really interested in the sequel. Me too. I, I like, the, I like mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, honestly, I, I'm terrified to see the sequel because the first one was fucking <laughs> so scary, and I'm sure we'll go see the sequel in the theater, so that's going to be terrifying. But I want to know more about the world and yeah. it looks like from the trailer we saw at the turning when we went for the national meetup at the turning yeah. that was a horrible movie but the trailer for the a quiet place too looked like it was going to be like a little flashbacky and then yeah. jumps to the future so we're going to see I day one we might see yeah i think we might see some of the answers to some of these questions well but one of the things i do really like is they don't go too in depth about the monsters we never oh, yeah. find out what happened and i don't think we need it for this story i don't think we need it for this story either but yeah. i would love to know what which happens means they yeah. gave you just enough information yeah, yeah, yeah. because you want to know more yeah, yeah. yeah um all right so he knocks over the Monopoly thing and they all freeze and this is so tense because they're looking around and they're yeah. hearing noises on the roof and then Jim goes up to the window and he's looking out and the daughter tries to come over and he says no 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 back up and this is when did you guys think about him in the office and all those faces he makes at the camera you know you mean in the window like through the windows yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well he was looking at it and I wrote a blog a, one of the first blogs I wrote was about Jordan Peele and John Krasinski and about how like how much of a connection there is between comedy and horror and how a lot of it is physical and just looks and stuff and I think he is just amazing in this role especially when since so little of it is speaking and just looks on your face you yeah know? he's great I mean in everything I've seen him in he's great so they hear some squawk and then they have a big noise on the roof and I love how they're we're just following it across the ceiling and then and you this scared the shit it scared out of the you. shit out of me like mm-hmm. I jerked yeah, yeah it was very scary and then we see something fall off the roof and it's two raccoons but so the raccoons they just scamper away and everybody's like okay fine we're okay and because we have seen the sun die at the very beginning we understand the stakes of all of this yeah. too. But the raccoons walk away and they're uh-huh. th- they're talking to each other like, hey, Trash Panda 1, are you okay? Yeah, Trash Panda 2, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Hey, want to go panda some trash? Yeah, and then they like are walking through the sand because right. apparently they learned that too. Mm-hmm. And then one of them gets like squished. Oh, it's so brutal. I wish you would have showed if the creatures were eating the things they were hunting or not. 
Mm, I don't know. It doesn't address that because the old lady just looked like she was murdered. So I think it's a government secret <laughs> project. Oh, wow. I'm glad that we don't have to see that because we didn't have to see it with the sun. So now we notice that there are lights strung up around the farm, and that's going to become um, important a little bit later. Which would have been cute without the apocalypse. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And yeah. honestly, they may have been up the whole time. That's true. So now Jim is downstairs working on the cochlear implant for his daughter. Yes. And then Emily Blunt comes down and like hugs him from behind, and they're being really sweet. And she's listening to some headphones. And they stand up and they start dancing, and they do the thing that they do in the office, and it's so sweet. She puts one headphone in his ear mm-hmm. and so they can both hear the song and they're dancing they're and slow dancing so sweet to harvest moon this is i think the scene where they answer how she got pregnant i think so too you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. like look yeah. at both of them the I tension mean, was oh palpable. Yeah, that sweater man but it's Oof. and because they're together in real life and i think that's part of why the chemistry is so good between the two of them I'm so you know jealous. yeah when oh, you get two so beautiful I, people who are currently in a relationship the chemistry on screen mm. is going to be very sexual but it's so sweet well, in the it's office, not just too. sexual it's just like when you know that two people in the office are hooking up you know what i'm talking about where you just like like jim and pam yeah or like you know like they're like getting they're like making lunch together and you're like hmm you, something's going on in there and mm-hmm. then t- like yeah. one of them puts the other earphone in and they start like slow dancing <laughs> and while they're microwaving they just start plowing right there on the break room table <laughs> yeah and then they move over to the copy machine because it's classy do you see photocopies of ass mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then they just put it all around Jesus. the office the next oh, day oh yeah it's oh a power God. move yeah mikey are they just send an email <laughs> Oh, that's a real Mikey move right there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so it's really sweet. But while they're dancing, like there's like this look of sadness on their face, too. And I think because they probably would want to get down. You might make some noise. (laughs) They want to get down. (laughs) Look of sadness. Clearly still getting down. I mean, she's pregnant. Well, yeah. Yeah. This is the time to get down. I know. You got to get as many shots on goal right now as possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we're at day 473. So fast math. Real man. And I think more importantly, we see a calendar and we see we're like a couple of weeks away from her due date. Yeah, because we yeah. see like the day she's marking off or maybe mm-hmm. writing a note on it or something and then it zooms down and she's due date. Smart. She's taking her own blood pressure and like mm-hmm. charting her vitals. Yeah, as, that's what it was. She was writing mm-hmm. her vitals on the And on she's the... listening to the heartbeat, yes, the fetal heartbeat. The baby. Yeah, and it's so sweet. I like this moment because she looks happy but also terrified. Yeah. She does a great job of emoting mm-hmm. that without mm-hmm. using any words. Yeah. And so we're seeing Reagan tiptoeing into the house. Jim is dumping more sand or cornmeal or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. I like that they showed how he was doing that without mm-hmm. making it like a plot point. Right, right. Just to yeah. answer the questions exactly. for how did that happen? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that he continues to do it. Yeah. Like he's maintaining it. It's this. something you would have to upkeep because like it, wind it, and it, rain and stuff would start to wash that stuff away. And we also see that on the floorboards there are little footprint spots plan, uh, painted, painted too. Down, yeah. So that as you tiptoe through then you're going to not step on the creaky boards which is amazing. You don't want to get that creaky spot. So she's going into the house and she wants to go down in the basement and she's about to and then John Krasinski grabs her and pulls her away right before that he can. That also scared me. Anytime mm-hmm. there's like a big jumpy moment, they really play it up with the music and that always gets me. Yeah. I don't understand why he wouldn't let her in the basement. I don't either and I think that is one of his fatal flaws and one of the parts of the metaphor that I see in this movie. Because his working on the implants is his chopping wood. It is. I agree with that but she never gets to see him exactly. doing that right. which is an act of service for her and that would make her feel love from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, she doesn't even know what he's doing. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I wonder if it's if he didn't want to give her hope about it, except he keeps giving her the implants. Yeah. So she knows that he's doing something. Yeah. Well, I that, just don't know if she knows the level. I think metaphorically that was like his man cave. Sure. Where he like, you know, chops his wood, deals with his feelings, protects his family, and then like no one else is really allowed down there except for his wife. And that's, I think, the problem because mm-hmm. he's trying to solve this problem by himself himself. Mm -hmm. and not allow anybody else to help because if she had been able to go down there when she finally sees everything she starts to put it together and if they could have done that earlier he wouldn't have had to die that's like a stereotypical man thing to do is like to i'm gonna fix everything myself i'm Uh not gonna ask for help but if you actually read the book of this movie (laughs) they go into that so like he had to collect those cochlear implants from somewhere Mm -hmm. so he was going out at night and killing people yeah Yeah, and then taking their implants and bringing them back. And he didn't want his family to know that he had been murdered. He had people. to clean all the blood off first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His wife could understand. Right. Because she, she would sees get the it. bigger picture. Yeah, she would get it. But the daughter, she's just too young for yeah, it. She doesn't yeah. understand. But yeah, I do think that there are some like regressive gender roles and like traditional family stuff. Agreed. I just had an epiphany. If you snore, you're like screwed in this universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I think they oh sleep downstairs. Like, you see that they live downstairs. Because the same thing with coughing, yeah. you know, or tooting. You can say fart, Jen. No, I can't. Toot. I'm I a lady. to death. You know what? It's hilarious, though. In this universe, someone diarrheaed to death. <laughs> Ooh, I'm sure they did. John Krasinski gave an interview about that. And he was like, yeah, you would just have a pillow around and fart into it. So it would muffle the sound. They call them fart silencers. That's why you can't wear the pillow shoes. Because you got to keep all those pillows around for farts. They're on your butt. <laughs> That's why you move your family to a bed path and beyond. Also, no more beans. But beans have so much protein. Yeah, but they're the musical fruit, Mikey. And the more you eat. The more you toot. Mikey. And tooting is a death sentence. It is. Technically, you would just need to go to like Niagara Falls. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Niagara Falls. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then like you could live around there, right? All right, so now he's pulled her away from the steps and they go out and they have a conversation about what he's doing. He's trying to give her the cochlear implant. The updated one. Like a newer model model that he's mm-hmm. been fiddling with to see if he can get it to work for her. Right, yeah. right. Or work better. I have some fun facts about how those devices work, but we're never exactly sure what the problem is. I think it just, maybe it's losing power or it's older and it hasn't been updated or she it's just not working as well. My yeah. headcanon is like her first one broke. It could and, be, And they have yeah. to be finally tuned to the person's implant. I think they do. And then, so he's just been messing with it, trying to make them all yes. work. And I'm sure that there's such a wide range of people that those help. So yeah. you have to like dial in that implant for the person who needs it or is using it Mm -hmm. so i'm sure that that's what it is but she's very frustrated with him because he keeps trying and Mm -hmm. none of them work and she's just like stop dad right yes stop stop. well and because i think if she's looking at herself as defective and we're not saying she is but if that's how she's feeling and blaming the death of her brother on this disability that she has i could see her looking at him constantly trying to help this is trying to fix her yeah which would reinforce to her that he doesn't think she's enough all right and so now we cut back to emily blunt and she's teaching her son up in kind of their little loft area and Jim comes up and says it's time to go and the son we don't know where they're going yet but the son does not want to go and she says your father will always protect you and that it's important that he learns these things so he can grow up and take care of himself right and take care of her which I think is another kind of playing into the regressive gender norms of when she's old and gray exactly Yeah. yeah 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 Um, Just reinforcing him being the next man of the house. And these are the responsibilities. Because as they're going outside, he doesn't want to go, but the daughter does. But he won't let her go. He will only let the son go who doesn't. So, like, just swap them. 
Yeah, and I mean, you, you could absolutely have solved could solved a that. lot of problems. Because I do understand the need to have someone stay at home with the mom who right. is very, very pregnant, mm-hmm. could be due at any point. Right. So, yeah, bring the daughter, leave the son. I mean, that's what they would prefer anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And that would have made everyone on the same page. It solves a lot of yeah. problems. But I do think you're right. It, it sort of supports that regressive gender role. Well, that's exactly. a big argument. He's like, I'll take her next time. Did and he like, say well, that? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, and I think part of the his justification to himself about that, because I don't think this is intent what he's intentionally doing. I just think that's how he views the world. Okay, she gets mad and walks away. And then she goes up to her room and she's testing out the cochlear implants on her bed and puts it in and like snaps right next to her ear Ugh. to see if it worked. And that freaked you out. I a was lot. just scared for her. Right. Yeah. But largely because she's deaf and like she doesn't know how loud she's snapping. Right. Because you can snap very quietly mm-hmm. or you can snap very loudly. And if you don't know, you don't know. You right. Know? If you don't know, exactly. now you know. <laughs> yeah. So I was afraid that she was going to get killed right here. Right. But yeah. She, but she, she doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. She starts crying and it's really sad. And then she packs her things up in a backpack and she takes out something that's wrapped in a handkerchief. Oh, it's so sad. And she puts it in, but we don't see what it is yet. I called it, though. So now Jim and Marcus are at the river, and the son is really, really scared that he's going to make noises and that the monsters are going to come get him, which, understandable, because he saw his brother die that way. Yeah, yeah. this is where we learn the rules of this universe, right? Right, So if you're around sounds, as long as you're making sounds that are quieter than the sounds that are, like, pervasive, Mm -hmm. you're fine. And he teaches them that here by going up to the waterfall and then yelling, and they sort of are talking just like we are talking right now, and it's fine. Well, and one thing that I was reading about this, too, and I think you can tell it's just the way that Jim signs is very like this is good. This is safe. This is not safe. Very like cut and dry. These are the rules. It's very definitive. Exactly. It's less conversational. Exactly. But the way Emily Blunt is signing, she's like trying to have her her kids like experience the world like she's making jokes with them. And I think that kind of plays Mm -hmm. into their characters, which I think is a really smart thing that they did. Yeah. And that the teen daughter is very like defiant and short and like she's very her dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so a lot of things are happening over and over. So let's talk about the dad and the brother first. Okay. So he says, let's go. I want to show you something. And they go to a waterfall. And it's really sweet. It is. Having this little father-son moment. Because he's really scared. But he's saying, no, no, no. The falling water, that's continuous sound that will cover the sound we're making. So he yells really loud. And then he says, it's okay to do it right here. Yeah. And this is the first out loud conversation we have. So it it's is. really it powerful is. in the movie. It is. It is. Yeah, it's like yeah. 45 minutes in. And when he, when the son screams, too, it's like, I can and finally use my voice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's also a little bit of foreshadowing of the waterfall thing because Emily Blunt takes a step back under a waterfall, quote unquote, that's going on in her basement. Mm-hmm. But so later they're at a river and they're talking. Marcus is asking if the if Jim blames Reagan for the son dying. And he says he doesn't blame her, but Marcus is saying, well, she blames herself. And, and she thinks you do blame her. Exactly. And asking if he still loves her. And she says, he says, of course he does. And Marcus says, but then he should tell her. And I think that kind of plays into like the silence is a metaphor in this movie, too, for like things that you don't say mm-hmm. that are going to come back to bite you. you Absolutely. Know? Yeah. They just they can't talk about it and he can't be open with his feelings. He has to repress it. And we didn't talk about this earlier, but we see them all grieving this person by Separately, themselves, right. not yeah. together. But it's so hard because like, I grieve by myself. It's so hard to, I don't know, it's just so... It's really fucking hard, but when mm. you talk to people about it, it helps, and it's scary, and it's hard to do, 
but it does help, you know? Yeah. Not to paraphrase Brene Brown, but it's all about being vulnerable with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you just have to learn, and it really does help. Well, and writing, too. Like, a lot of the things that I've talked about, I've written down first and shared with people. Because sure. that's an easier way. So That's something that's, they teach you in therapy. Yeah, yeah. Write it down, you, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you can have some, like, lots of times I will write something and then have Corey read it, and then we can have a conversation about it, because yeah. he already knows. I guess because in my family, I'm always like the strong, people come to me to grieve, and they will talk about their grief which makes me not feel like I can be as vulnerable with my family in that small area. I understand that. I think mm-hmm. you should set a boundary with them and be like, hey, listen, I am a therapist, but I'm not my family's family <laughs> therapist. Yeah. And it's not like that, but like, you know, when, when someone's like <laughs> hugging and crying and like, yeah. you know, like I'm really sad about this and I miss them and it's like, it just... But you can hug and cry back and also talk about how you miss them or whatever. Right, right. Or, you know, whatever the situation about, is. I just, yeah. don't, I just don't lose that control. Well, and so that I think we see that with Jim. Mm, yeah. You know, I think he has put himself in the sole responsibility of taking care of everyone else and will not allow himself to show any kind of weakness. And I think that's ultimately what. Yeah, I have, I have some problems with that. Well, and I mean, it's hard. You mm-hmm. know, I do that, too, because it's hard to let your guard down. It's the feeling that if I bring it down just a little bit, it's going to flood in and overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. You know? Hey, therapy is awesome, guys. It is. It really helped me quite a lot. Yep. Um, (laughs) Okay, so mom is doing the laundry, and she starts and she's down in the basement where the radio and laundry are. Right. And as she's pulling all of these clothes up, she pulls a nail up on the steps. Yes. Which is- For a little nail shadowing. It is a prime example of nail shadowing. You know, they really nailed it. They did. (laughs) I don't like nail. No. No, I didn't like it in Home Alone, and I don't like it here. Yeah. So as she's going upstairs and she's putting laundry out on the line, then she starts looking up at the window and she goes upstairs and sits in what we're going to find out is Bo's old room. Because we see the rocket ships everywhere and she's sitting and just holding a stuffed animal and crying and it's so sad. And it's again, we're seeing her grieve alone. Yeah. I mean, we see all of them grieve alone pretty much. Well, because now the sister is walking back to that bridge and she finally gets to Bo's little memorial there where there's a cross and, and pictures and just makes me so sad. And she... Okay, I'm not going to cry. Want, you want me to take it? Yeah. Right, so she takes out the handkerchief, and it has the rocket ship in it, but it's, yeah. it's, it's cut in the middle. Well, I mean, you could tell it was, like, yeah. destroyed. Right. Yeah. And she cuts the green wire. This is super risky because she's deaf. She's not 100% <laughs> sure she cut the right wire. <laughs> such a good point that I, I never thought about. And either. then she turns it on. So she is either suicidal or very confident. And maybe both. Both, yeah. And anyway, so it starts lighting up. Because I think she's a lot like her dad. Well, I, think I also so think too. she's a teenager, so she may just not have thought about right. that. Yeah, so you know? she turns it on, no sound, it and lights she puts up, it down. And she yeah. puts it on, and then she kind of lays by it. And it makes me so sad because if they had just done that, then he would probably still be alive. They probably didn't think about that. I'm sure the they didn't. Well, and that's one of those things, like, you, there are a million things you could walk back and but, say, if we had just or done do, this. Or do, walk back and do it. Exactly. But that's the thing with any tragedy, is that you look back on that right. day, and there's a million things you could have done differently. It's hindsight bias. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot yeah. expect yourself or blame yourself for not knowing things you had no way of knowing. Right. Yeah, one of the things that I had to work through a lot when I was in therapy, shortly after my brother died, was blaming myself because... I told Dustin to change the radio station and that's what he was doing when he veered off the road and hit the phone pole. So like I blame myself for all of that mm-hmm. shit because I asked him to do what he was doing when he hit the phone pole. So yeah, yeah and like you, you do struggle with that. It's yeah. rough. And it's like, even though your head knows it's not your fault, it still feels like your fault, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say this, 
all of them have those things. Like the mom thinks, why didn't I carry him? Why did I let him mm-hmm. walk? And the dad is thinking, what if I just got to him in time? And the daughter is thinking, what if I had, had not handed him. it back to him or hurt mm-hmm. him or whatever? So Ugh. everyone is sort of dealing with that, except for I think the son that lived isn't really dealing with him that much. Right. Because honestly, he was sick and the dad was holding him. And I also think he's but, a little young to maybe feel responsibility that's probably, for that, that's too. That's probably true, too. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, they all have it. And any one of those things would have saved him. But none of them did anything wrong. So as Jim and the son, Marcus, are walking back, um, they come upon a really creepy old rundown house. It's so scary. And then all of a sudden there's an old man. It's an old man jump scare. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it scared the shit out of you. I think you knocked the ottoman over. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was very because you have to be so quiet through this movie to watch it. It's the tension in this movie is amazing. Yeah. Um, and so because he runs into Jim and Jim has seen this person and he's like looking at him like doing that little sh- thing that you've probably seen from the trailer. Well, they also see that the guy's wife has died. Yeah, or and a woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, yeah, but an older woman who looks like it would be an age appropriate to be his wife, mm-hmm. right? And you Half s- his age plus seven. <laughs> <laughs> she looked like it was more age appropriate, but yeah. And it looks like she has been killed by one of these monsters. We don't know. I mean, in truth, he could have killed mm-hmm. her, but it looks more like th- the monster came along and killed her. He found her like this and yeah. is processing this grief immediately. And Jim is like, no, please yeah, don't make no. a sound. Look, please don't make a sound. You're going to put us in danger. Yeah, do yeah. not do this. Do not mm-hmm. do this. Or at least, can you wait 30 seconds? Right, right. Uh, but, but he, he doesn't. doesn't. No, yeah. he takes a big breath in. Mm-hmm. And then, have you guys ever seen that meme of the seagull who like brings his head all the way back and then starts yeah, yelling? Yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like to me because yeah. he brings in this big breath and then yells so loud. And it, then J- Jim grabs his son Marcus and starts running by a tree mm-hmm. and like pins him down and holds his mouth as this guy gets just destroyed. But when this guy screams, it's like this primal scream of yeah. like not the first time you've been able to use your voice in like over a year. And I love that that we hear the heartbeat. It, and, and then we hear we see the monster take him just kind of like we saw the monster take Bo at the beginning. And then we yeah. hear the monster like kind of killing him and it's really upsetting but very well done but so they're safe um okay so now we're back with emily blunt and she's has been sitting in beau's room kind of mourning and we notice that it's about dusk time and yeah. she's upstairs with the laundry this is when she notices her water has broken and which means she is now in active labor yeah so she's walking downstairs and the nail shadowing gets us in the foot because she drops the nail oh or she steps and she's like kind of going pretty quickly and she just man lands on it and it goes all the way into her foot the and full she, force of her weight hits uh, that nail and it goes all the way into her foot and she doesn't scream but she drops the picture and it shatters yes, and yeah. that's what makes the sound she took a picture of Bo with her to yeah uh, mm. and so then she sits down and she's got to pull her foot off of uh, the nail and I think I see, we got a video of you with that too because oh it was God. Oh, and I just imagine doing all of that silently when you're having labor contractions it would be impossible like how would you there's no way I know, man. She's so good. Like the willpower that would take. Like I really tried to not take medicine when I was in labor, but it really. Oh yeah, it hurts so bad. Like I would, because you learn the breathing thing, and we see her do that. Like Like, Lamaze, I think. Kind of like this was a slight different thing, but you breathe in real slow and then breathe out real slow, and towards the end, like it hurts so bad. Like I was breathing like. And that was me trying to slow my breathing down. Jeez. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. I did yell for them to kill me at one point because we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, we're about to get there because she's in active labor at this yeah. point. And hey, if Ugh. you are pregnant right now, it's going to be fine. 
Don't You're about to experience the magic of birth. <laughs> and so she goes and she turns the red lights on. So all of the lights we've been seeing, the college dorm lights around the farm, now turn red. Danger lights. Right, which I assume means there's a monster around. Right. But also I was wondering, like, I bet part of their plan was turn it red if you're in labor, too. I wonder if that Or was, any kind of danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alert and just be come back, but be careful. Right. Um, and so she turns the red light on, and we notice that there's one in the house. There's a creature. There's a, the creature. a creature. Yeah, there's a creature monster in the house. And she gets an oven timer. We're like, what the fuck? What is she going to do here? I'm like, that's going to make sound. That's the worst thing you could do. Why are you doing that? But she's smarter than me. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah. was sitting here, and I was like, do you really not know what she's going to do with this? But as she's doing it, she's having a contraction, and you can see her breathe really, oh, yeah. really slowly and trying to maintain it. Oh, my heart went out to her because I remember that. She goes over and hides behind some pipes and the thing comes downstairs and then the timer goes off and that's when she escapes and so that was the plan was for right. it, it to be drawn in so at least she knew where it was and yeah. then she could escape. And it literally like destroys the pipe that the thing was on and it and she runs upstairs, yeah. But so she goes upstairs and she's about to get out but she notices there's another one outside the house too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while all of this is happening. Jim and Marcus are getting back and they see that the red lights are on and they start running. She gets to the bathroom and she gets in the tub. Jim sends Marcus to go set off the fire. Yeah, we don't know what that is yet, but they have a plan called Rockets. Which And Marcus, I know. The rocket shadowing. I know. And Marcus is like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm, right. I'm scared. He's like, you can do this. Yeah, your mother needs you. Yeah. yeah, because the rockets or the fireworks are going to make bigger sounds. They're the distraction. So if yes. she needs to scream while she's in labor, she can, which I think is a really smart thing for them to do because yeah. just the thought of going through all of that pain silently just... Yeah, what is she, a Scientologist? Exactly. So, anyway, so Marcus does go to do that. He does. Yeah, he runs off. And so they're separated. And Jim goes back to the house. Now, while this is happening, Emily Blunt is in the bathtub, and she's having more contractions. And we start to see blood in the bathtub. And that is not really a normal thing that happens in labor. That's a sign of a complication. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, that is not good. Yeah, that happened to me with my first one. What's probably happening is called an abruption, and it's when your placenta tears. Like, so every time Mm -hmm. there's a contraction, your placenta is tearing. Let me tell you, this is when I was screaming for them to kill me because it feels like somebody is slowly ripping your skin off. It is so painful. It's probably not going to happen to you if you're pregnant, but if it does, you're going to be okay. I am fine. It doesn't still hurt anymore. (laughs) And I want wanted to say that that's a sign of a complication because when she finally screams like it hurts so fucking much and I can't imagine trying to do it silently because we see the creature right behind her on the stairs and it's like she's trying to hold on for so long and finally she can't and she screams and luckily that's when the rockets go off which distracts the creature and he runs away but we've seen and in the the trailer we saw like the creatures like right over the back yeah I was wondering why we didn't see that shot because when I watched this trailer for Patreon that was like oh my god does she die well and we don't know all we see is her scream right. and then it cuts away yeah. and honestly because we went and saw the turning with the nashville meetup group i mm-hmm. saw the trailer for hey the guys. second one so i knew she lived right yeah but yeah i mean that was when i watched the trailer i was like fuck how are they gonna get her out how of that? are they gonna get out yeah. of the situation and so now jim is walking through the house with a, shot with a shotgun and the daughter has seen the rockets and she's come started to run towards the house and so jim goes and he sees the bathtub and he sees that it's empty and bloody oh my god this got me too yeah and it, it's, it's good 
ultimately, it is. but it's her slamming her hand against the shower door. Right, yeah. It scared the shit out of me. Well, because he sits down right next to the bathtub because he thinks, oh, well, the She's monster's got, got yeah. both of them. He's yeah. like, break down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then she Titanic hands up, oh, yeah. except it's bloody. And she's in the bathtub and the baby's there. She's in the shower, not shower, the bathtub. Shower, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. in the, the shower. And she is holding the baby. So, like, yeah. birth successful. She seems fine. I mean, I think so she's much, lost some blood. Yeah, as far as, like, how bad that could have gone. Oh, yeah. They, they have not been great. eaten by monsters. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And the baby's yeah. okay. Exactly. Yeah. But he does carry her to the, the downstairs mm-hmm. sort of soundproof area. And that's when you see, like, the monster, like, sort of closely yeah. following behind them. And then they get into the soundproof area. Well, but the baby starts crying first. Yeah. And oh so he's God. on. It's just, oh, it's so but you're tense a baby. and terrifying. You exactly. Do? And that's the thing. Like, when, like, trying to think about having kids in a world like this, it's just the metaphor of how unpredictable the world is and how terrifying it is to let your kids into it. You yeah. Know? So they do get into the soundproof room and they, they put the baby in the baby, what oh. you were calling the baby coffin, yeah. with the oxygen on his face or her face. I'm not quite sure the gender of the baby but it's a boy we yeah, the creatures okay. are like stalking them yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah as he pulls the mattress over the hole to the soundproof room you we see, see the the monster sort of walk in yeah 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 and that was another super upsetting part to me when they put this little baby in this a box newborn and in the box. It up. oh my oh. god because like your number one fear with newborns is that they're gonna stop breathing and that you're watching them all the time like i still sometimes wake up and if my kids are still asleep i'm like are they breathing you know, and they're five and seven, but I just I can't imagine what it would take to get yourself to a point to be able to do that with your baby. Yeah. And so then we see that the sister is back. She is in the corn and the monster is behind her, but she doesn't hear she has it. She no idea. Right. And she sees that the, the other brother had run all over to like the combine or whatever mm-hmm. that tractor thing was. And then he had crawled under that and she he dropped his flashlight. So she is diverted. As she's walking by the sound, by the flashlight, and she's looking down by the flashlight, and she's distracted by that light and doesn't realize the monster's coming up right behind her. Right. Although the monster doesn't realize she's right there because he can't see right. and she can't hear. Neither of them know they're there, but right. her implant goes insane. Yeah, it starts feeding back a right. lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she does, she has no idea why this is happening, but mm-hmm. as the monster starts to listen, and he opens his ear canal or whatever you call that. Mm-hmm. You can tell, like we know as the audience, that that cochlear implant is like making her a superhero right, right now but she has no idea and the, the monster does run away yeah and so now we see a flashback of Bo dying from the very beginning and then Emily Blunt wakes up and yeah. I love that they threw that in because it just shows that she's still dealing with this yeah. but she wakes up and Jim and the baby are there and everybody's okay and they're talking and they're saying it worked they can't hear us but where are our kids right like, we have two other kids and we need to figure out He's what like, they are I'll go get them hold on yeah, yeah and then she sort of gaslights him into committing suicide for his kids well, <laughs> this is yeah this is one of the things I think that the way this plays out is regressive I keep saying that it's just these very yeah. traditional very like limited roles in a family structure but this is also when she's we find out it's a boy and this is when she is talking about like she should have been carrying him and we yeah. talked about that a little bit earlier but she it's just so beautiful the way she says it like She's like, I still, I could still feel him in my arms. And I've thought about that a lot and just like had to go down and hug my kids for a little bit after this was over. But this is like the first time that they have communicated about this. It is. It seems at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're both talking yeah. too. Like well, this is the first time we see room. them talking. Yeah. 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 And she says, who are we if we can't protect them? Which there are some things about this I like, but I know that there are a lot of women who feel like this is a reductive role because it's presenting this woman as her only motivation is being a mother. And I don't know if I really see that because I think the story is just very simple and linear, you know, 
that I don't think it's reductive to present her motivation as only protecting her kids, but I do know that's a criticism. But I think that's Jim's only motivation. I think so too. too. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, all they have is their family. So I agree. All of their primary motivators are protecting their family. And I don't see it as reductive because she doesn't go out. She just gave birth, right? And yeah, yeah. she is literally re- recovering. She has an IV in. Right. She's getting fluids. And later in the movie, she's a fucking badass. She is. So but like, what I have a problem with is when you say, "Who are we if we can't protect our kids?" and there are so many women who view once you become a mother it feels like that's all you are anymore you know and you have to you lose a lot of who you are which is part of why I love having this podcast because like when like I my kids are two years apart so there was a good year where I was just like changing diapers all the time and not sleeping and it just feels like you give up everything to take care of these kids and I feel like that's it just wears you down, you know. My mom and, used to say because we were all four two years apart, yeah, or right in that range. She'd say I was breastfeeding and changing diapers for eight years solid. Yeah, and yeah. it feel in mine was I only had two kids, but yeah, it's like and you get out of that haze and you realize that the world has kept going and yeah. you're not part of it. And that's why I think sometimes some of these, and I'm not necessarily saying this is in the movie, but like when the woman is solely responsible for that, it really takes over your whole life. And one of the things I think is wonderful about Corey is that he is so helpful with all of the things that a a lot of people, men would look at as like the woman's job, you know, like I grew up in a house where my dad didn't change diapers. I think know? the benefit of my generation being raised by a single parent and, and that single parent being the mom, a lot of people my age and men my age are OK with like changing diapers mm-hmm. and doing the dishes and helping cook and clean and stuff like that. Right. And I think it's the ones who are like really super regressive that are the like, well, that's your wife's job. Why exactly. Are, or they'll make jokes like. Uh, I got to load my dishwasher by getting my wife drunk. Yeah. Like yeah. that kind of shitty stupid <laughs> Or I have to babysit humor. my own kids. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard someone my age or younger say that. But so now we cut back to Reagan in the corn and she finds Marcus's flashlight and then Marcus jump scares oh. the fuck out of Todd by grabbing oh my her God. hand. Yeah, but now they're reunited. Yes, and, and it feels so good. <laughs> it does. But also, they're still scared. Yeah. And John Krasinski has come out of the house from under the mattress, but we notice he does not that the house is starting to flood. Well, he doesn't because the water has not yet reached the hole right. they're in. So he walks out not knowing what's going on yeah. with right. that. It starts going into the hole. It's a, a dripping... A dripping clock. clock. Oh, oh yes, yeah, Mikey! You did it! Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, I thought I'd play along. It's drip o'clock. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, that's a good one. I'm actually going to use that in my personal life. First, it's dick drip o'clock. Dick o'clock leads to drip o'clock about 40 months later. Oh, my god, 40 weeks later. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to knock somebody up. Well, you heard it Ladies. here. <laughs> Mikey is single and available. Ladies. So now they have somehow gotten, or they've climbed up to the top of the silo, which I think was probably their meeting point. Well, that's also what they were lighting fires to s- signal to other people. Yeah, yeah. which is a great idea because you got a bird's eye view and Absolutely. you hear them crawling In the beginning up. of the movie, they do that. It doesn't do anything, so I don't know how that would help at all. Because Jim would walk out and see oh, the, see the, the top of the right, thing right. on fire. and then I thought she was him. looking at the distance for the other fires that in the beginning of the movie. I don't think so. Oh, like in Lord of the Rings? No, it happens in the beginning of the movie. When he lights the fire, there's like three fires in the distance. Mm. But yeah. I was like, what is that going to do? All they're going to do is light their fires and be like, hey, hey we're fucked over here. Yeah. Yeah. You guys still fucked. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now he goes downstairs and looks at the monitors trying to find them. And while he's doing that, they're having a conversation because she wants to go back to the house. And Marcus is saying, no, wait, dad's going to come. She's like, no, no, he's going to come for you. He doesn't love me. Yeah, they're still on top of the The corn silo silo or whatever. And 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 he's like, no, he's going to come for both of us. And then he falls 
But she doesn't see it just yet. Well, I, I, this is a sibling thing because I'd have been like, I don't have time for your issues, Becky. What? Yeah. <laughs> we just got to go find them first. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's like a teenager thing. Like, I, yeah, I don't I know. It. I understand. So he falls down. He being Marcus falls down into the corn silo. Right. So some of this is kind of cutting back and forth. Yeah, so let's just talk about the silo first. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. two different main character sets, like the kids and the mom. Yeah, and John Krasinski, yeah. Well, yeah, they encounter a monster, right? right? And yeah. they have to deal with their own monster. They do. Alone. Oh, Metaphor! They do. So let's talk about the corn silo, the kids. Yes. So he has fallen through the silo, and right. she hasn't noticed because she couldn't hear. Right. And so she walks around, she's like, what the fuck, where is he? And then she sees that he's down there, and he's like sinking into the silo. And that was, I didn't realize that would be be a thing that happens oh yeah that's terrifying and she's signing to him don't move and i think if you stop moving the corn would settle and you would just stay it would but i can imagine panicking oh i would i would fucking panic too yeah absolutely but he can't see her signing that right because he's panicking and while he's trying to climb out one of the doors that opened drops down and almost hits him right on top of him yeah but reagan just jumps in yeah and unlike rose at the end of titanic (laughs) gives Marcus the door mm-hmm. and Marcus climbs on top of the door and then she starts to fall into the corn mm-hmm. and then he reaches in and pulls her out of it onto the door. Right, right. And so they they get on top of the door and they're both okay and yes. they're hugging. For now. Right. Because then we start to hear, because all of that has made noise. Yeah. So much noise. And yeah. now they're starting to hear, and it's in a silo so and they we, can hear the thing crawling. We up. also see John who has left the basement of mm. monitors and he's mm. out on the like tractor that's in the corn. He's standing on top of it and he sees the monster run towards the like silo right past him oh, and I yeah. loved that because then he's like oh fuck and now I gotta run that yeah. way yeah and he starts running and then we leave him for a minute because we're back in the silo and the monster just jumps straight in yeah. and it's that scared you a it lot it scared too. the shit out of me mm-hmm. yeah man it's a scary movie it's very it scary yeah. and so they're un- they're getting under this door and the monster is on top of them and it starts to feed back again her yeah. cochlear implant does and the monster starts to like freak out and then he claws through the door and then leaves yes. like claws well, through no, he jumps out he jumps through the silo. Yeah, he, he does, creates he, a window. He does, yeah, yeah. And they look up <laughs> and they notice there's a giant hole in the silo, which is helpful for them because now they can get That's out. That's how they get out, yeah. yeah. So now let's go back to Emily Blunt. Right. Who has woken up and realized that the basement is flooded. In the theater, I was like, all right, now they're kind of piling on because this was really bad before. Dude, <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, what the fuck? Because the water level is almost at the top of the baby box. Which I was, honestly thought the baby oh. box was floating a little bit. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And it might, I'm not sure if I don't know if it was either. I'm, I'm just yes, saying I thought I it might but the, the water is right up there, like Jen. Yeah, it was very precarious either way. And there's a monster in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, and the baby <sighs> box is in the middle. Like, it almost looks equidistant between her and the Yeah, the I honestly baby. thought it was, like, floating towards it a little bit. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I may have just been projecting that. But Emily gets up out of her bed and, mm-hmm. like, slowly puts her feet in the water. And then mm-hmm. that's when the monster goes underwater. And uh-huh. I was like, what the f- Fuck. Right, they can yeah. swim. Ugh. Yeah, and so she walks over to the baby who is awake, so could cry at any moment, yeah. and picks him up and holds him like real close. And then the monster is like right, like as close to the box as she is. Yeah, like right in front of her. And then she slowly backs under the mm-hmm. waterfall that's coming down from the water on top. Right, and has been making noise Ugh. this whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is again, I think that's what the the noise buffer protection they have is. Yeah, well, and because th- the baby is softly making sounds. Yeah. Now, yeah. this is when it's attracted to the noise at the silo, and then it leaves Emily Blunt 
alone. I you think know? it might be two separate monsters. I thought it was two no, separate monsters too, one. but you it's, might be right because yeah. that is in the path that does cross yeah. in front of Jim. It's the so, one that, dr- that runs. Yeah, by that makes Jim. sense because this yeah. is the only creature on the farm because the other two come at the end. So Emily Blunt, once the monster leaves, she goes down into the other house into the radio room that's not flooded with a baby. So she's about to see everything that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So Jim gets to the silo and sees both kids jump out. Yeah, and then and he they, hugs them both. Oh, yeah. that's so sad. Yeah, yeah. But then they hear a monster, and so they have walked past a. Uh, like kind of a shed with some tools and a tractor. And right. then there's a truck parked next to it. So the kids go run inside the truck. Well, he tells them to go to there. the truck. Yeah, go yeah. hide there. And he should have gone to the truck, he too. He should have gone inside yeah. the truck, But too. because he's stupid and these monsters who are bulletproof, he decides to grab an axe to fight them. Yeah. He gets sliced down by one because he gives it enough time and makes enough sound for it to close in on him and slice him as he starts walking away. I, I hated this part of the movie so much. I, I was like, too. you're so dumb. It's so frustrating. And I feel like when he's like looking at himself as the sole protector, like he has to defend them instead of going and hiding with them because he could have done that too. Yeah, and they all would have survived. And they would have because the feedback would have happened when the monster came to the truck. Yeah. Now, what we were saying earlier, like... <laughs> These are game time decisions, and I'm sure if he right, looked objectively. I am sort of Monday quarterbacking. Exactly. Her, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the thing I learned most about this watch through is that the first time she doesn't even know anything that's happening. Yeah, she right. only has had the experience where she knew one was on her, right. and the feedback was happening. She's only had that experience once. In right. the silo. Yeah. Right. And it's, also, if you've got a ton of feedback in your ear, I imagine it makes it very hard to think. Yeah. Too. Like, all you want is that to stop. So the alien or the monster, like, slashes at Jim. Yeah, like, and he knocks him knocks down, him, down like, away. 10 feet away, yeah. And the son sees it, and he says, Dad, no! Because just like his dad, he is also stupid. So he makes a lot of noise, and the (laughs) alien or monster or whatever comes over and attacks the truck, and the implant starts going crazy, Mm -hmm. but she turns it off. She turns it off, because, like what we were just saying, she probably just can't handle it anymore, and she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand it yet. Yeah, and she's like, maybe thinking, like, I'm going to have to fight this monster. I need to be able to think, too, you know? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, and so the monster is attacking the truck, and Jim sees this. Now, my one problem with this movie is the monster is able to almost immediately tear a giant hole in this silo, but not tear this truck apart faster. Oh, that's my only qualm. Well, I, it's an old truck. They made them better back then. That's true, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't really care that much. Me either. Because like, I'm just kind of going with it at this point. But yep. that, if I had a qualm with this movie, it would be that. Sure. And then Jim grabs the axe and uses that like a cane to stand up. Right. And then he catches eyes with his daughter and he signs, oh, you know, I love you. Yeah. And then I've he always says, loved you. I've always loved you. Ugh, yeah. I was crying so hard. Yeah. That, and that was her suggestion. I was wondering if you were crying. I didn't want to so look because I wanted to give you a moment if you were. But yeah. it was just it is really sad. And yeah. he's saying goodbye. And. I read an article criticizing this moment because they have to watch their father die and like viewing his sacrifice as performative. And I can see a little bit of that, but I just, it's so sad. It frustrates me so much. In the circumstance, what other option is it? I don't know. I mean, he could have hid with them. Sure, he didn't I, have to stay I there. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Like, that bothers me. He could but have run screaming away to direct it away from them. I don't think he could have because he was so severely damaged well, he could barely true. even stand up. So I think at this point in the movie, that is the one thing he can do to protect Or you could throw them. the axe yeah. or something and make noise and have it attracted over there. I don't. I honestly don't think he could throw or even walk. Like yeah. I think it was everything he could do to stand because it mm-hmm. looks like it's very hard for him to even stand. 
stand up. Yeah. So I think running's not an option. I don't think, because throwing has so much of your torso involved right. in it. Mm-hmm. Well, to I don't throw think far, that's far happening. enough away. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think that's happening. So I do think that this is the one thing he can do, yeah. and he sort of has to do it. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. and it's it's so sad. And I think if yeah. I question this, I question he has built this system that sets himself up as the sole protector. And at this point, it's inevitable that this is going to happen, yeah. you know, which I think is kind of the larger metaphor is when this is the system your family is based on. Eventually, one person cannot protect so many people on their own and are going to fall, yeah. you know, and then they're on their own. And he does. And they're not ready because you have not empowered them to protect themselves. Yeah, I do think he was doing some of that. The kids were just so young. Yeah, well, and he was trying to empower the son. He should have started with the older daughter years before. Oh, but it's just so sad. John Krasinski is amazing in this movie movie and questions with the story and the choices aside this is a really sad scene and it, it is it got me yeah um but and they're watching it too and emily blunt is watching it happen. yeah she's watching on the monitors yeah, yeah. and so and he just screams and it's again another one of those primal screams guttural yeah oh and it just goes on for so so sad but as he's doing this the son who has been we've seen him kind of playing with the car i think he was practicing i think so too yeah. so he puts the car in gear and drives away did you notice mm-hmm. that they had lined the wheel tracks of this with the sand no so it made no sound as it went down the hill that's no i didn't mm. notice the preparation that. that they put into this whole area is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. That's awesome. Makes no sound as it goes down. Because you're thinking they're in corn. It would be making the sound. Right. They would have died. Right. But had they not done that. It well, was Well, because they awesome. would have gotten stuck, too. You yeah, know, if true. they weren't on a track. Yeah. And so we're seeing them driving back to the house or rolling back to the house as the sun is coming up. And Emily Blunt goes out and gives them both a hug. And they're crying because they've all just seen their dad die. And yeah, they hear a, a monster coming. And so they go down into the basement. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this whole night sequence, it's only been one monster the whole time yes okay i think so no i think there were two at one point yeah, there, there was two, two at one point because there was one point okay. when she was down in the basement and then we saw another one up at i the thought door so when she okay. was in labor okay he, that one got bored <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was like you got this i'm out yeah, yeah. it's the mikey of the group he went to- <laughs> like uh i'm gonna go back to that waterfall he got a text <laughs> yeah. he was, you know. yeah. um but so they go in and they go down in the basement and she hesitates at the top of the stairs because this is the room that he's always told her she can't go down in and so she's the going, daughter does the daughter does right. yeah yeah and she's going down and i was like watch the stairs because i was so afraid somebody else i know was we were literally all saying oh, that yeah oh uh, yeah but they don't they get down and she's looking around and she's realizing like now that her father is gone and she can't say anything to him about this, she's realizing how much time he's been spending trying to help her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so and also seeing all of his research that he's been. I mean, doing. he has been learning audiology right. to try and help her. If he had involved her in this, if he had not seen himself as the sole provider, I think he could have figured this out together and yeah. would not have had to die. But they don't. And so... and <laughs> So he dies. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, but so they're down, and this is one of the things that I love, because she gives the baby to the son, and he yeah. goes over. And so mm-hmm. now, and when I look at this as a larger um, metaphor for the patriarchy, once that repression of the gender norms is gone, and she can say, hey, son, I think you would be good at caring for this baby right now. I need your older sister to help me we are going to try to stop this thing that's when they're able to save themselves yeah once that repression is gone mm. i think this whole movie is all about how the patriarchy fucks up families and men and particular yeah, yeah i think so too and i say that i don't think john krasinski is intentionally trying to hurt anybody or thinks he's doing anything wrong and i don't think anybody any do you mean as the director or the actor in the movie like the character he's playing the character, is trying the character. To- okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah i don't think he has bad intentions i think this is the the role he's grown up in yes. and this is what he thinks his role is and right. can't see outside of but that. But I think this is him as the writer-director. This is his intention. This is the point he's trying to get across. 
across. You think so? I think so. I would love to. Think I would that. assume so because that's yeah. all I got out it, of it. Because it's so clear too. Yeah. Because this right. is when they overcome it when they are finally allowed to use their voices and their like their gifts as people. And I'll say know? for me to see it, it's got to be much more drastic than it is for you to that's see. That's true. It. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I think it has to have been his intention. Well, the first time I was so caught up in my feelings that I was just like on the ride. Yeah. This movie's so tense. On a first watch, it's hard to pick up any deeper meaning. It is, yeah. And because I saw it's so suspenseful. It is. Yeah. She hands the baby to the son and they go and hide behind the pipes that she was hiding behind earlier. Emily Bunt grabs a shotgun. Mm. Which is gonna do nothing. Like right. we they have established a world in which these monsters or whatever are bulletproof. Well, and so she is going around and she's seeing all these implants and she um She being the daughter of this. Yeah, point. the yeah. daughter is and she's holding them and the mom goes over and they have a moment where they cry and they're like, Yeah, he did love you. This is what he wanted for right. you. Yeah. Yeah, the monster starts to come close to the house mm-hmm. and the lights start to flicker and then it comes down to the basement. Yeah, and it's right next to them and she's pointing the gun at it knowing it's probably not going to do anything. But then it start, we start to see its head open up a little bit. Yeah, because it's listening for where they are. It is. Well, and it's also seeing all of the TV monitors, I think. Well, are, it's hearing the static. It is, yeah. yeah. It, that's And that's messing with them. And so it like knocks the shit out of all the televisions. Yeah, but this is yeah. when the daughter, Reagan, starts to, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That's sort of vaguely familiar or similar to what happened to me she starts in the to corn put it silo. Yeah. And then it goes completely silent mm-hmm. as she's putting it together. Yeah, and I loved that. Me too. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And then yes. she very slowly figures it out. <laughs> yeah. This felt like it took forever because I was did. like, do it now. I do know. it now. What are you doing? Because but, we already know that know. that's happening. It was probably yeah. like five seconds, but it felt like four right. and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she figures it out and turns her ear implant on, mm-hmm. which hurts her, yeah. but also hurts the alien. I love the alien design because everything- creature, creature design. We don't know if it's an alien. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. The that's monster, fair. Yeah. That's fair. The creature design I love because mm-hmm. it's like the panels on its head that opens up all channel sound towards the ear holes or whatever they are. Which I thought was well, its head is like awesome. basically one ear, one giant. It's one, yeah, giant ear. Yeah, it like funnels it all to the ear hole, which right. I thought was awesome, but also makes sense because that's their armor, and what happens mm-hmm. makes sense. She like realizes it's giving a lot of feedback, then she takes the implant off and puts it into the microphone. The and, baby starts crying. Well, too. yeah, but mm-hmm. all, the only thing that alien can hear is the sound of right. the. Yeah, it's the freaking out. Implant. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. seizuring. And she realizes, and the mom realizes it too, and so she takes the implant and she slams it onto the microphone, yeah. and it starts freaking out. And like, she sure does. The mom it, picks it together a lot quicker. She's like, oh. Turns around yeah. like, oh, well, she, she doesn't figure it out until Reagan until figures it out. Right. Yeah, right. But, but so it feedback freaks out and falls back into a bunch of cells, and we think it's dead. Well, yeah. we do think it's dead. We do. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was dead for sure. Well, then it, it broke the armor plate. Like, it did. It, it yeah. can't control its own armor plates on its head anymore. Mm-hmm. And so now when it comes back, the mom just shoots it in the head because its armor plate has mm-hmm. been broken, and then it falls down and it's dead. Yeah. Oh, so oh, glad so this weird. happened. Yes. And then on the monitor, they start to see all the other ones running just towards two, Just them. two. Because in the beginning, in the, in the middle, it says well, there's only three in the area. Yeah. yeah. So the other two are running quick because mm-hmm. the gunshot is very loud. And yeah. they look at each other and it's, I oh, love it's so this amazing. I so might cry much. talking about this because she goes over and she turns the volume all the, the way up. The decibels all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. And then they look at each other and Emily Blunt just smiles and cocks the shotgun and that's it. And fade to back. Roll the credits. I, it was <sighs> the best ending. Badass. Oh, I loved so it. so amazing. And it I, made me so excited to go see the second one even yeah. though I'm so scared to go see the second <laughs> one. <laughs> but it was just the perfect note to end this such a dark movie on because it's so empowering. Yeah. You know? So and good. I think there's a metaphor to be 
use like they turn the volume up once they're finally allowed to use their voice and right. they're yeah. working together and that's what ends up taking over the monster and yeah it's really good but <sighs> that's the movie that's the movie and i didn't oh. cry guys well not Almost. not on the podcast yeah. Yeah. Well, i teared up yeah. a little bit we oh i did cry, cry we both cried during the movie yeah having watched the movie having talked about the movie let's do some final thoughts so what do you guys think about it yeah <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I loved it yeah. and I liked it a lot more the second time too. Yeah, I love this. I think it's probably one of the best horror films of the last decade. For how much I hated this movie, but also really think it's an amazing, amazing movie, that just speaks to how good it is. Because <laughs> I think everyone should see this movie. Like, yeah. whether you hate scary movies or not, suffer through the scares because it's an amazing movie. But I hated watching it because it's uncomfortable and it's super scary, but it's an amazing movie. Yeah, it's done really well. It is. And the jump scares, I don't think, are cheap jump scares. Like, we, I made fun of The Nun or hated The Nun so much (laughs) because it was ten times the jump scares of this movie, but a tenth of the plot. There's just no sound in this movie. There's only only ambient sound. The characters don't talk. There's a level of tension that's really high, so anything is a jump scare. I know. So I'm not as mad watching this movie because the movie is so good. Like when I was watching The Nun because the movie was so bad. <laughs> yes. But it was like the same level of scary. Oh, you were very scary. I fucking hated The Nun, man. <laughs> but anyway, movie's great. I loved it. But I'll never watch it again. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk box office. So what do you guys think the budget for this movie was? I know. All right, so Mikey, it's only you to guess. What do you think? $15 million. All right. Well, it's seventeen. Million dollars. Ah, so very, yeah, very close. Yeah. And it this did get a theatrical run and did pretty well in its theatrical run. So what do you guys think it made? And I'll just say worldwide in its theatrical release. I want to say eighty nine million. Okay. Mikey? Mm, I think it made I think it definitely I think it made like hundred and twenty. Okay. So I'll just do domestic first. It was hundred and eighty eight million mm. domestic. So put our two numbers together and we're right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it made a ton of money. It was yeah. like huge. But worldwide, it made $336 million. Wow. So it made a shitload of money. It did very, very well. In its mm-hmm. opening weekend, it made $50 million. So wow. it made double its money back in its opening weekend. It well, did amazingly. And it's so unique, too. It is. It was very different. And I actually was reading an article that said that the concession stand numbers were not so great during this movie. Really? Because it's so quiet that people <laughs> were afraid to eat. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. I remember opening my snacks and being like, oh, shit. Right. You would and, be the kind of guy to just power through, though. <laughs> and I just said at the beginning, I was like, Rrr. yeah, well, do I, it quickly. That's when the, the point. kid gets yeah. killed is when I, like, open my milk bags. <gasps> No. <laughs> uh, well, and I have heard horror oh, stories God. about people that went to see this in theaters that I had a really great experience where everybody in the theater was into it and quiet. But I've heard like people could hear movies from next door in the theater next oh, door. And I've heard that like if people aren't into it and they're laughing and talking the whole time, it really took you out of it. You that. know. Yeah. But I had a great experience with yeah. it. It did very, very well in the theaters. It actually made about an extra 17 million on domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. So it's done very very well. So let's get into some fun facts then, because that's all I have for box office. All right. So kind of related, this was John Krasinski's third film to direct, but it was his first for a major studio. So Really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this was his first major studio directing film. And to like knock it out of the park like that is just amazing. Oh, he crushed it. You know, to, to direct and act. Well, and didn't he write it? Yes and no. The original script was written by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. And they wrote it in college and submitted it. And then John Krasinski got it and rewrote it. And so he added uh, some substantial elements in, but he didn't write it from scratch. But yeah, so to have that much involvement in this. And he has said that he's not really a horror fan, but he was on board. I get it, Jim. 
I get it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jim, you want to come on a podcast? Uh, yeah. Listen, Jim, we are more We're than happy to have Harvard. you. And honestly, if you're on the podcast, we'll call you John. You can wear your sweater too. Ooh. Ooh. Thirsty Jen podcast. <laughs> but he said that the premise of the family can't make sound and you have to figure out why was what hooked him into the role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They originally were not going to subtitle the film and they were going to have you pick up everything on context clues. But then when they got to the scene about when him and the daughter were having the talk about the cochlear implants, oh, yeah. that's when they changed it. Yeah, that was a good change. That would have so been too. a huge mistake, I think. I think so, too. I think it would have taken you out and Me made too. you not pay attention. Because you've been like, what the fuck is going on? Exactly. Yeah. There are only 25 lines of voiced dialogue. Jesus. And what I love about it is like those are really meaningful scenes. Absolutely. When they do speak. Absolutely. Yeah, and it just shows the power of using your voice, you know. Jim, or John Krasinski, pardon me, actually played the monster in a motion capture suit. <laughs> no oh, shit! Yeah, I'm not sure if he did it for every single time, but I think he did in some scenes. That's awesome. Like, maybe in the basement scene or something. Apparently there was a screening that was disastrous because they had not um, added all the effects for the monster in. So, so it was, it was just, just John in like a, like a rubber ah. suit? Right, and so people were laughing hilariously at these parts. They thought that the movie was going to tank, but then they just made him not Jim anymore. Yeah. You know, that would just be like Jim creeping around the office like fighting Dwight. Yeah, I remember him. this was like a surprise hit. Like the studio didn't have a lot of faith in this movie and then like it word of mouth got crazy on this Yeah, because yeah. it premiered at South by Southwest mm -hmm. and everybody like lost their minds about it. All right, so the Kitchen Raptors in Jurassic Park were a big influence for this scene too. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So Millicent Simmons is the actress who plays Reagan and she is actually deaf. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Awesome. She, yeah. yeah, she was deaf since infancy because of a medical overdose. So she would technically Whoa. be late. Yeah, I know, man. Oh, man. I know. But, I mean, she's she's doing well, you Yeah, know? she's doing great. But she grew up with sign language, and she helped the cast a lot. And she was, the, like we said, she was the one who suggested they change the line to, I have always loved you, which is one of the most impactful parts mm. I think of that it. is the most impactful so part, too. yeah. Um, they also hired Douglas Ridloff, who was a deaf mentor, who did a lot of coaching with them and kind of awesome. Because everyone in this either already knew or had to learn American Sign Language. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. Now I say that as somebody who doesn't know it, but it feels very authentic, right? And yeah. I like how they designed the sign language dialogue to fit the characters. Well, too. and you could tell they were conveying a lot of emotions on their face while they signed, so mm -hmm. you could tell like they weren't concentrating on the signs. Exactly. Well. So this is not a hearing aid; it's a cochlear implant. And that's the thing, like, the way you do that is it's, like, implanted and there's a little magnet inside your skull and that's what holds it on. Yeah. So what the device does is it translates vibrations in the air to nerve impulses in the brain and the brain perceives that as sound. And so that's why it's yeah. working. And that I don't know if this would normally cause feet. Well, I guess monsters aren't real, so we wouldn't know. <laughs> but that the feedback is caused because of the modifications he was making to him. Right. Cochlear implants don't cause feedback. So speaking of what the monsters are down in the basement you see some newspapers on the wall and one of the headlines says meteor hits mexico with force of a nuke and multiple landing sites and that's the most backstory we ever get about the aliens i did not see that multiple landing sites uh leads me to believe that they're that's maybe it was just three landing sites and that's one for each of them or mm -hmm. there are a lot more than three around the globe yeah, I think like there's, there's a lot more because there's a yeah. sequel well yeah but, but we, we also don't. <laughs> don't know if other cities are fine i would assume right. that they're not because no, then the, you'd go for, try and find help like after 400 the days yeah. of this movie because i never saw that newspaper clipping but yeah. it's like department of defense is like it sounded department of defense says they 
like they're invulnerable. Like you could see like the yeah, I saw that the progression of the news stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like they slowly lost. John Krasinski said he intentionally wanted to subvert that apocalypse trope of like he was talking about seeing the speech by the president and then people like running and panicking, and he didn't want to deal with that because that's not what the story is. I feel like right. get that. They too. were aliens, I, I guess. So yeah. Perfect. Thanks for your fun, fun fact. That really explains there. a lot. And those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts, Jen. Well, you're very welcome. Let's do the scary scale. Hey, listeners. Our scary scale is a scale we use to rank how scared we were when we watched this movie. It's not the quality of the movie. It's how scared we were today when we watched it. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Todd, what you got? Because we watched this in the morning, and it was very bright in here because yeah. the sun was coming through pretty much every window, I'm going to give it a six. Ah. But had we watched this at night or in a movie theater, it would have been a lot closer to a nine. It's very My scary. My first watch on this was like a nine. Yeah. What yeah. would you say today, though? I'm going to say like a four. Okay. All right. That's the first time you haven't done a one in a while, so that's very it telling. Yeah. First time since Green Room. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a two. I'm like, <laughs> I'm dead inside. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you're a parent. Like, you just, yes. yeah, you the can parent relate so hard. And, yeah. like, I have been through childbirth that is very similar yeah. to this in a lot of ways, and it just, it got me. This Absolutely. Was, this is parent horror. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, it's not so much that, that if you don't have kids, you can can't relate. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and I don't ever want to sound like condescending. Like, no, well, I don't because think you I'm did. a parent, I just, I yeah. think, it's just I connect to this on a different level. Yeah, I know? agree. Like a higher level. Where you looking down at us? Well, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will say not to mansplain what you're trying to say, but I'll say as someone who doesn't have kids, <laughs> I can understand why this movie would be scarier for you because you have a kid that was that age. Oh yeah, you know and, what I'm saying, and, and when, I, I don't have that personal relationship to it. Yeah, because you can't see that happen and not see your own children and yeah. not think, oh shit, what would I do? So this week, you guys made me watch A Quiet Place. Yes. What are you guys making me watch next week? Hey Todd, are you ever curious about what The Ring would be like if Disney and Harry Potter made it? Well, now I am. Because <laughs> we were watching The Woman in Black next week. <laughs> All right. Which I was terrified to see for a long time. Really? It scared the shit out of me. You guys, yeah. I will agree with a lot of the fans who have been saying that you guys have been going easy on me, but yep. today it was really rough, and it sounds like next week's going to be really rough. So Revenge! guys, watch The Woman in Black. Yep, that's with Daniel Radcliffe. Harry Potter yep. and Disney, yes. apparently. I think it's Disney. <laughs> and a woman in black. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now it's time for Mikey to read a five-star review. And Woo! if you want Mikey to read your five-star review, leave a review that is five stars and then type something out. Maybe leave an accent for him to talk in. Yeah, emoji fun. Ooh, let's do it. Yeah. Mikey, do you have this week's five-star review? I do. This review comes in from 21 hours ago. Ooh. Wow, it's recent. Hot off the presses. Hot off the iTunes presses. All right. This person named another taken nickname. <laughs> I almost died while listening to the podcast. Oh, yes. yes I'm going to do this in a fancy voice because he says do it in a voice in my fancy. Oh. And my fancy is fancy. <laughs> Quapital, Mikey. Quapital? Uh, that's, that's what fancy that's Mikey does in the toilet. Fa- <laughs> that's what, <laughs> he does a crapital on the fancy oh, toilet. You're a captain of industry and toilets. <laughs> this is one of the funniest podcasts I've ever oh, listened thank to. You so much. Oh, yes, quite. Yeah. I was listening to the Hellraiser episode That's at the a banger. gym. That's a banger <laughs> that of an episode, yeah. One. And when the double Freudian slip came out, <laughs> I almost doubled over and laughed. <laughs> 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 and fell out of the machine I was using. Uh-oh. Oh, it sorry. hurt a lot. Oh, I'm sorry it hurt. I'm, I'm sorry, but laughing. we're also not liable. <laughs> but I was laughing way too hard to notice at the time. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, delightfully droll, Mikey. Oh, my God. <laughs> I highly recommend anyone interested in horror, no matter the degree. <gasps> 
There's something for everyone. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, Even the simpletons. This is amazing. <laughs> five stars. Well, thank you so much. Another taken nickname. We appreciate that awesome five-star review. And guys, leave us a five-star review. Thanks. I feel like we need to talk fancy for the rest of the episode. I don't. So well. we are a member of the Consequences <laughs> Sound Podcast Network. And if you would please check out their awesome shows like Kyle Meredith with uh-huh. The Opus. Mm-hmm. This must be the gig. This must be the gig. It's the awesome. Assembly. Yeah. Oh, have you been listening to it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. She yeah, interviewed Huey Lewis. <gasps> and it the news? Awesome. The news were not there. Oh. Oh, Although Huey Lewis may have a podcast out <laughs> called Huey Lewis and the News, and it's Huey Lewis talking about the news, I don't want to get into it. I would but love that. it blew my mind if it exists. The Assembly. Uh huh. Yeah. And The Fifth Dimension. Yes. And two of my favorites, Halloweenies and The Losers Club. And yes. Halloweenies just announced what they're going to be doing next season, and they're going to do the Friday the 13th series. Oh, nice. Yeah, their first episode's dropping. On Friday the 13th. Uh, so they stole someone's uh, yeah. idea for that. Well, as much as we love and support all the podcasts on the network, that sounds like a dig. Um, uh. All right, guys. Make sure to follow us on social at Horror Virgin on all the socials. And our website is at HorrorVirgin.com, where you can see Jen's blog, links to the merch store, all that awesome stuff. And if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you, you get a lot of awesome great material at yeah. a lot of awesome great levels bonus episodes two a month a lot of great shit a lot of great video content it's going to be awesome yeah just check it out and if you can't help financially support the show but want to be a part of an awesome community and get daily free content join the horror virgin facebook group and we link it on socials all the time but it's like facebook.com slash groups slash horror virgin so check it out thank you so much for joining us for a quiet place yeah i'm jen i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd guys <laughs> have an amazing week bye quiet nerds no book nerds <laughs> you guys i think my water just broke it's <laughs> drip o'clock <laughs> <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network.